they present you with everything that you've said and then you start to realize oh man how did you do that mm-hmm. you know i didn't realize that that was connected to that and this may be the reason for this and if i just focus on trying to solve this then these other three issues might start to dwindle yep you know and i felt as though when i left the session this person had contacted i mean his name is uh, siabonga my therapist siabonga very nice guy mm-hmm. i thought maybe this guy had a conversation prior to this with my family and my mm-hmm. friends because how were you able to extract such information from me on our first like we'd never seen each other before you know so that allowance yeah to be comfortable you know that he gave me to be vulnerable you know that he gave me he made me feel safe he made me feel safe enough to speak about myself my family my friends my situation without any fear of judgment or retribution Welcome back to yet another epic episode of your favorite podcast of all time, Sakina Speaks. My name is Sakina Ishabani, and I'm back yet again with another deep topic that we're going to tackle in a lighthearted way. It is very important for us to have these very intimate conversations, but to do it in the right way, right? So that you guys receive it in the right way, you learn what you need to learn, and you are open to engaging in this topic further, even beyond that stop button, beyond that moment when you stop listening to this episode. And today I have another phenomenal guest. I mean, God just does the absolute most when he helps me to choose who needs to come and have these conversations with me and his name is Jadeli Mwamba. If you don't know him as yet, of course, he's going to be the conventional introductory process of he's a seasoned architect, graduated, learned. He is an influencer. He's a model. He's an actor. You name it. But today I actually want to properly introduce him by asking him himself. So I could do it the conventional way as I just did. Um, But what will be more impactful is if I ask you who you think you are, right? Because ultimately you are who you believe yourself to be. So when you look in the who is the man that you see? Um, first of all, I'd like to just say thank you, number one, for that intro. Wow. <laughs> it's uh, I feel like you gave me far too much justice, but I really do appreciate that. Um, who do I see when I look in the mirror? I feel as though I see someone who's constantly growing, you know, someone who's constantly under development. You know, who I am today is not who I was a year ago and, and so on and so forth, you know. So yes. with time and experience and and people coming in and out of my life, you know, learning is a constant. So I'm someone who's constantly under development. And hopefully through my development, I then, you know, have the opportunity to help other people develop. It is very sincere and very humble of you to say, because you do have a couple of great achievements behind you. I mean, having your whole face by the subway wall is is a huge thing. (laughs) (laughs) But, But we definitely do love it. And that's another reason why I had you on here, because I actually discovered who you are through Unsaid Africa, which was, you know, this program that you had with your friends. And I really love how many a times you had a differing opinion, but it was it was justified. I mean, obviously, everyone's opinion, they're entitled to the opinion and you can have whatever perspective that you want but I appreciate the fact that it wasn't just no I don't think this is what it is and there was actually thought put into it and there was reasoning to it so that's why I was like okay this guy's very very interesting of course down 
down the line, following your page on Instagram and then seeing the different things that you do and just how you are as a person, how you interact with your friends and your family and how you have so many like female friends that just love and adore you. And that obviously meant something to me and it clicked in my head that, okay, this guy is really sociable and he's sweet and he's fun and he's intelligent. And so I really want to be able to understand the workings of his mind and what better way than through this topic that we're going to be tackling today, which is men in therapy. Men in therapy. That is a, that is an interesting topic. You know, uh, it's it's one of those things that I feel as though we're still we're still learning so much about, but making an absolute effort to tackle, you know, mm-hmm. all the negative stereotypes that come with it. Exactly. So I actually want to know why did you accept to to have this conversation with me? There's two main reasons. One, from personal experience. I myself um, is someone who went to therapy. I started therapy in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those people who was lucky enough to take constructive criticism. And through that constructive criticism, I started to realize, okay, I have a problem. And I know that this is something that I can't deal with by myself. So I went to go seek help. And, you know, through that help, you start to discover things about yourself. You know, you start to ask yourself the questions you never thought about asking before, you know, Mm -hmm, and then those mm -hmm. lead you down a path you never thought existed. And through that path, you start going down a journey of discovery, you know, and that's where you start to develop further as, as a person, you know? So there's that side, which is um, my personal experience. And the other side is to spread the message. You know, I think with spreading the message, talking from my side as a man, I think there is a perspective that maybe people won't generally think of because either they're not a man or they subscribe to the idea, uh, the false idea, in my opinion, of what a man is supposed to be. Exactly. So, yeah, that's why I'm here. Thank you so much for that. I mean, obviously, that is a very progressive way of thinking as well. So we're going to get into like what your thoughts were, what your perceptions were, you know, what your expectations were. But how were you introduced? used to the idea of therapy and visiting a professional for such for such help in the first place like it's not every gentleman that will just wake up in the morning and think okay i've received this constructive criticism constantly of course that also speaks to your character and how independent in thought you are but how were you then introduced to this idea and how did you know like which therapist to go to or which psychologist or like how to go about it i think what we need to understand is that there is a lot of social pressure on, on men, you know, to be dominant or in control, you know, and these, mm-hmm. these things aren't inherently bad, but they can make it more difficult for men to talk about their problems and to seek help. Yeah. Now I grew up luckily in an environment where I was allowed to be open-minded and I grew up around people who allowed me a space to feel comfortable enough to be able to speak without fear, to speak without judgment, you know? Mm-hmm. So the space was was created for me to be able to do this. And through this, I found the positives with being able to go to therapy, you know, to express oneself at 100%. Yeah. You know? So because now I, I had this opportunity, I believe that I somewhat hold a bit of responsibility to be able to spread the message, to let other men know, and, and not just men, you know, mm-hmm. I think also women know that, listen, guys, it's okay for men to break down. It's okay for men to feel not 100%. You mm-hmm. know, it's, a, it, it's okay to feel crappy, but it's double okay to seek help for it. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. And 
in your friendship circles, you know, in your social circles in general? How did you sort of enable other men to be more comfortable at least? Because some people come from homes where it's extremely rigid and, you know, not from the same enabling environment that you grew up in. So how did you sort of, without putting any pressure on you, how have you in your own life, in your own, you know, friendship walks and stuff like that, in your own relationships, been able to enable other people to at least even become comfortable with the idea of seeking such help? I can't take all the credit. You know, I think the, the people I surrounded myself with, you know, you mentioned earlier about my female friends. They're actually the ones who push and carry on pushing, you know, to allow me to be able to, to let down my guard, mm-hmm. you know? So and I think this is one of the cases that seeing is believing, you yeah. know? So people have seen the interactions that I have with my friends and they've seen the level of comfortability and they've seen the allowance for me to open up and say, listen, I messed up here or I think like this and I don't understand what it is that you're saying and I don't understand your way of thinking, help me, yeah. you know? So seeing is believing that plus the combination of my friends making the effort, you know, because it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to learn and unlearn. You know, you have to be willing to take constructive criticism and then from there grow, you know? So that's the space that I was operating in. My friends came to me and said, Jadeli, we can see a problem. Mm-hmm. Jadeli, speak to me. Jadeli, it's okay. You know, so I was given the reassurance. Yeah. Was there a point where you realized you have to take this constructive criticism or is it just the kind of person that you've always been that you actually do respect it when people, you know, correct you like that and it's not an ego battle and everything? I mean, no one wants to be wrong, you know. <laughs> no one wants to be told, yeah, listen, the way you think is wrong or, you know, the, the, the conclusion that you came to isn't the correct one based on the factors at hand, you mm-hmm. know. So... Now, of course, no one wants to be wrong. And I never always used to be that way. You know, you grow up believing you're right and so on and so forth. But you get to a point where you start to realize, okay, wait a minute. If everyone seems to be saying the same thing, and then, yeah. these aren't people who, exactly. And these aren't people who are necessarily in contact. Mm-hmm. I've got friends from varsity telling me something. And then I've got friends back home telling me the same thing. At some point, I have to just take a step back and try to look at the bigger picture and say, okay. Maybe I'm the problem. Clearly there's an issue. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. know, now it's about, okay, am I mature enough to go back to these people who gave me the constructive criticism and say, all right, where can I fix myself? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's that level of self-awareness and self-perception that is key. It's a key ingredient to seeking help. Absolutely. And shout out to all of your amazing female friends and all your friends in general, everybody that was bold enough because it's not easy as well. As much as you may love some of your friends and everything, but you just know that they're those ones that are just stubborn to the core and they just won't listen to you, you know? So shout out to them for caring for you enough to tell you, you know, to address some of the things that are detrimental to you and would end up destroying you, you know? Yeah. No, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm still very, very stubborn. It's... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I promise you, you I, uh, yeah, yes, I don't listen a lot of the time, but I'm open to the constructive criticism. And, you know, especially when it comes down to things that affect others, you know, mm-hmm. those take priority. Like anyone who knows me knows I have a love for chocolate. I eat chocolate at an unreasonable rate. And I'm told mm-hmm. all the time, listen, just slow down. You need to slow down. But a part of me feels as though because it's not affecting anyone, it's not necessarily a priority. Exactly. But all the other things, you know, all the other things that affect people, you know, the way people feel, the way people think, their level of comfort and safety, those are the things that take priority in terms of what may need to change. Look, there's absolutely no judgment coming from this side because I'm just a stubborn <laughs> and I eat just as much chocolate. So. 
<laughs> so like yeah the only thing is flip i've struggled with like my teeth for the longest time i always used to have chronic pain so for me at least there's that but like on the other hand i'm just like it helps with so many other things i have good skin so i don't struggle with breakouts so for me it's like if it's not killing anyone yet <laughs> then i'm sure you know? <laughs> i understand <laughs> Let's get into what led up to you actually going, right? You do not have to go into uncomfortable details. That's not the point. The point is like the essence of it all. Like what might have happened that necessitated that? Was it a particular event or it got to that point where like it was the final straw in the camel's back? It was the final straw in the camel's back for sure. You know, you hear the criticisms and, you know, it's a combination of ego and pride that get in the way. And Mm -hmm. a lot of men can attest to this. Sometimes ego and pride will put you in situations that you had no business being in. Yeah. And then comes the regret, you know, and then the worst part is if you're the type of person who can't seek help, you end up beating yourself up for a situation that you couldn't help but put yourself in, mm. you know? So I didn't want to be that person all the time. It, it's, it's a different feeling knowing when you enter a space that people expect a certain level of negativity from you because that's what you've shown and that's what they know you for, mm-hmm. you know? So many people can live with this and they don't care. I'm one of those people who feels as though I like to be liked, you know? I, I don't want to walk around knowing that, yo, that person dislikes me. Mm-hmm. You know? So that for me was important. To others, it may not be, but to me, it was. So it was one of the, the priorities for me, you know? So I, I had to do what I had to do so that I don't make people uncomfortable. I did what I had to do so that I don't make people feel some type of way when I enter the space. Mm-hmm. Now I feel you on that. Yeah. And it just gets me thinking that unfortunately, some men just don't care. They're just like, hey, I still sleep at night. I mean, it- and, and you see that that's when we, we start veering off into the emotional side, you know, because mm-hmm. yes, there's the mental health side. But now when we start talking about the emotional side, that thing of not caring, it affects you in ways that you only start to see further down the line, you know, whether that be, you know, throughout your varsity or maybe when you have kids, you know, yeah. you live a certain way for long enough and it will affect you. So the emotional emotional side is just as important to speak about. Absolutely. I agree with that. When you were getting into it, you know, what were your expectations? What were your thoughts? What were some of the misconceptions that you had about therapy prior to it? Or did you actually do research, you know, before you went into the whole process? I was reluctant at first, you know, I was one of those people who really thought therapy, me, (laughs) come on, (laughs) I don't need this thing. Someone who doesn't know anything about me, how are are they going to give me any sort of kind of help? Mm-hmm. I went into it closed-minded. You know, I went into it, a part of me just wanted to prove that, you see, I told you, I'm I told okay. you this thing isn't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay. I can do this. I don't. So I went into therapy and I think my first session may have been the most powerful. I understood then and there that there are people who have an ability to make you so comfortable to a point where they're drawing information out from you and you don't even know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then they present you with everything that you've said. And then you start to realize, oh man, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't realize that that was connected to that. And this may be the reason for this. And if I just focus on trying to solve this, then these other three issues might start to dwindle. Yep. You know, and I felt as though when I left the session, this person had contacted, I mean, his name is uh, Siabonga, my therapist, Siabonga, very nice guy. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe this guy had a conversation prior to this with my family and my mm-hmm. friends because how were you able to extract such information from me on our first, like we'd never seen each other before, you know? So that allowance yeah. to be comfortable, you know, 
that he gave me to be vulnerable, you know, that he gave me, he made me feel safe. He made me feel safe enough to speak about myself, my family, my friends, my situation without any fear of judgment or retribution. Mm -hmm. And that is such a beautiful thought. I actually even want to know, was it to an extent also because he was a male? Um, would you have been a little bit more reluctant if it was a female or is he just that good that it didn't even matter in that moment? It was just his ability to be able to do that so effortlessly. I mean, I think we all have a level of comfort when we look at a situation and we think about the type of person that we're going to be dealing with in any profession. It can be from doctors to engineers mm -hmm. you know, to, to accountants. We all have this idea that if it is a man, or a woman there's a high chance of this type of outcome mm -hmm. you know so in my mind approaching it i had the idea that if it was a woman it would be someone who's more understanding okay you know rather than dealing with someone who might be exactly like me mm -hmm. and that was my mistake you know i should have went into it with no preconceived notions yeah because it's only through then when when they start to peel back when you start to realize man i had this completely wrong mm -hmm. the idea i had of therapy you know is completely wrong you know the idea that i had about opening up to a stranger is completely wrong i don't feel naked and exposed yes i feel free and empowered I feel like click, like snapping my fingers right now. This is amazing. Like this is what no, we snap need. Those fingers. <laughs> this is what we need. No, definitely. Oh, I would like young gentlemen to hear and stuff and to know because they walk around with this perception and just that pressure and the burden to be this thing that frankly does not exist, man. That alpha male persona characterization that is thrown around in so many institutions, so many places, so many sectors of society just is unattainable. It is. I mean, talking can be tough, especially if you're a man, you know, getting in touch with your feelings can really be helpful for your well-being. But we've all heard, you know, men don't cry, you know, man up. Yep. You know, and these statements may seem harmless, you know, but they feed into the idea that seeking help is somehow a sign of weakness or unmanly, you know. So you have too many men avoiding therapy. And I think that is another major issue, you know. And we also need to just speak about why men avoid therapy. I hear you. I definitely do. And that's more reason why I love having these conversations love having so many of these episodes just centered around this centered around like guys let's just unpack let's understand each other more i don't know it's just it's a serious fascination number one and also i think i actually tweeted this today the day that i'm recording this that if you disagree with the narrative then rewrite it and it was a thought that came to mind as i was writing down the questions for this episode the questions that i'm basically asking you right now and i was just like we're so tired of the the men are trash image we're so tired of the toxic masculinity and the what and the whatevers but we just sit down and tweet about how horrible this is how oh my gosh men don't communicate or uh women are so if we could just invest that energy and all of those efforts into rewriting the narrative as we're doing right now with you just having this conversation with me with me just posting this on the platform with one person hearing it sharing it with someone in their circle like we don't understand the impact that we could be making but i feel like we're just channeling our energy and our efforts into the wrong things like if we could just be having more of these constructive conversations like me saying keep the conversation going you know like changing the narrative changing the world one conversation at a time it's not just a tagline it's literally what happens even understanding it through the christian perspective like through the word 
it begins as a thought. The Lord spoke it into being. And, you know, it, it materializes and becomes our reality. So we really need to take this more seriously. No, true. You know, you make some very valid points. I think a lot of that, if we can almost try and generalize it, you know, speaks to the expression or the normalization of expressing male emotions mm-hmm. in all of these facets you spoke of you spoke of religion you even mentioned toxic masculinity mm-hmm. you know i think we are seeing too many men grow up with a false idea of what it is to be a man right and, yeah. and that all stems from the households they grew up in you know so i think more parents need to be having emotional conversations with their kids early Yep. You know, we're having a real crisis of emotional expression in our culture. And sadly, I think it's concentrated in men and boys, you know, where we're not giving them permission to talk about their feelings because we view vulnerability as as weakness. You know, yeah. we, we view talking about things as weakness. We feminize it mm-hmm. in order to make it look weak, you know. And then um, a lot of the bubble ups that we see in men are just an inability to talk about their feelings, their Mm -hmm. fears, um, their anxiety, their vulnerability. And more times, even parents are afraid to go there. And I think parents need to give permissions for those type of conversations Mm -hmm. rather than feeling it's their duty to always have solutions, you know? Yes, Um, that is a real chat, yes. Sometimes as a parent, you really just need to allow your child to talk. And I think this more so goes for young boys, you know, so Mm -hmm. that they can grow up in an environment where it's made safe for them, you know, for them to express themselves, for them to be able to talk about their vulnerabilities and fears. Then we'll start looking at a generation of men who view masculinity differently. Then the idea of toxic masculinity can slowly get chopped away. Absolutely. And I think in conjunction with that, we also need to teach our women and our young girls how to deal with not an emotional man, how to deal with a man that is actually expressing himself. Because what I see is like, we'll have these conversations I'll speak to Jadeli. Jadeli goes to therapy and, you know, his friends and everything. But then he they meet women that are like, why are you having these type of emotional conversations with me? Why are you expressing yourself like this? This is so effeminate. So it definitely has to go both ways. It has to go with teaching your daughter as well that you mustn't just be looking for this wall of a human being with no emotion. And this is what a man needs to be. And he needs to provide and he needs to do all of these things. And then you have these men which are actually in touch with their emotions, actually know how to understand them and articulate them and express them because then you're going to have the same thing, if not a worse thing, you know? You're right. You know, I think a lot of men have trouble um, getting in touch with their with their emotional side, you know, for, for too long, as you said, they've been told that being a man involves being tough, mm-hmm. you know? And in many cases, this means avoiding therapy when in fact, that is exactly what they need to build resilience. Mm-hmm. And now as, as men, sometimes we play a balancing act because we understand, well, not all of us, but a lot of us understand that, okay, mental health and emotional health and, and well-being is important. And we understand that that requires being vulnerable, being open, being honest, you know, essentially being able to express your emotions. But at the same time, we want the girls. <laughs> we want the girls. <laughs> but the girls, on face value, it looks great. Oh, I want a man who's in touch with these emotions. Mm-hmm. Then you meet us. And then you realize that you don't have the capacity to be able to handle an emotional man. Absolutely. Right. Because you, you yourself have been, have been indoctrinated with this idea that a man is supposed to be a certain way. A man is supposed to have a certain level of mental toughness. He shouldn't be affected by anything. He can't be held because he needs to be the one doing the holding and Mm -hmm. the building and Mm -hmm. the rebuilding. Mm -hmm. 
So then now we're operating in this weird space where it's like, okay, I'm in touch with my emotions, but you are unfortunately still subscribed to the idea that this is too feminine. Yeah. You know, that this is not okay. So now what happens? You know, so I think a lot of the unlearning also needs to happen on the woman's side mm-hmm. with regards to this topic. Absolutely. And we haven't even gotten to like the deepest of parts, but I really do want to thank you again for just sharing all of this and being open on this platform. Jadeli and I have never met in person, but thanks to God, most importantly, and thanks to Instagram, you know, and social media, we're able to have <laughs> this really cool conversation and this really cool connection. So yeah. Yes, 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 indeed. Now, prior to going to your session, right, prior to getting into the whole therapy thing, how were you actually expressing your emotions if you were even? And how did you feel about sharing your feelings? You know, let's get into a little bit of what sparked that constructive criticism with anyone, you know, especially your male counterparts, because this is actually another question that I'm planning on asking, which is about, you know, the conversations that you guys have. We know about locker room talk, but we're not talking about like toxic side. We're actually talking about like the deep, intimate conversations, the bromance conversations that you guys have with your friends, and with your 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 male family and stuff like that your male loved ones i just always have a con- this conflicting thought that there might not be enough for you guys to actually survive and thrive within your communities we've seen very fruitful very supportive very strong brotherly relationships between men amongst men communities of men which have been really effective but i wonder if in most of the 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 men is that actually something that's effective because you find that yeah you have your homie you close and everything but you guys don't actually talk about like i'm actually heartbroken that this girl left me or i'm actually heartbroken that i didn't get that job like it's something that you can't articulate so, so can you speak a little bit about that? How was your experience before going to therapy and being able to share and bear it all with Siabonga? How did you share your feelings with some with with someone that you were close to, if you even did? You know, I, I think the reason that we have these conversations, as you and I are having, is to to spread awareness. You know, so mm-hmm. that people know that okay, this is an avenue that can be traveled down. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's important to continue having these conversations. Now, with regards to my situation, my level of expression of my emotions was always negative. I was a uh, I was an extremely angry individual all the mm-hmm. time. For the smallest things, I would lose my temper. You know, from the outside looking in, people were like, okay, this guy's overreacting. It's not yeah. that big a deal. From my perspective, inside looking out, there were so many things that I was harboring that were negative. And, you know, you bottle something up for so long and every now and then it's going to find a way to escape. Pressure becomes too much. So anger was my go-to because I felt as though I never had to explain myself. If I was angry, I could get out a lot of these emotions and people would, would stay back. Yeah. And... It started to affect me in, in many ways. If we look at my friends, I stopped being invited to things. Now, I'm a people person. I love people. I love mm-hmm. to interact. I love to laugh. Anyone who knows me knows I love to laugh. Now, being this person who was, I mean, back then, Facebook was still big, you know, so you open up Facebook and you see all the friends except me. They're, mm-hmm. they're bowling. You know, they're, they're out at the restaurant. They're, they're going out and I used to wonder, okay, why am I being left out? Am I being forgotten? And then I was, I had an honest, con- well, one of my friends had an honest conversation with me and told me, Chiteli, I can't have you around because of how you act. Yeah. You're always angry. You're always quick to fight. You're always quick to, and it's too much. So I'd rather not have you around so that we can all enjoy ourselves. And that was the first thing. It's like, man, this is, I mean, you all are my friends. Mm. You're like, you're my friend. I've known you for so long and you're telling me you'd rather not have me around so that everyone else can enjoy themselves. How have I become this person? Mm. You know, that was the first thing. Then there was my relationship and that was going 
absolutely nowhere because I was unable at that moment in my life to take constructive criticism. It would always lead to anger. Like, okay, why am I with the problem? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's you, you know, maybe you're not understanding me, you know, meanwhile, it was me not taking the time to understand me, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the last and final straw was my academics. The level of anger that I was harboring wasn't allowing me to retain any valuable information with regards to my studies. And and as an African, (laughs) I'm going to be coming home and telling mom and dad, oh, no, I failed because I was angry. You know, what does that even mean? Yeah. What does that mean? You know, so I knew at that at that moment that, okay, I need help. There's something that I need to do because these things that I'm doing, they're not helping me. If anything, Mm -hmm. they're making everything worse. At this point, I'm going to lose my friends. At this point, my relationship's going to fall apart. And at this point, I'm also going to just not make the year. And those three things happening all at once, I might not be able to handle that. So let me do something now, you know? And I thought that therapy, as much as I thought, nah, whatever, a part of me thought if it helps, it's most probably just going to be a stopgap mm-hmm. and the rest will all fall on me because this therapy thing can't be as real as people say it is. Yeah. And that's where I was wrong. And those ideals, right? And just the understanding of that. Because my dad actually studied psychology. So coming from my background, it's like, okay, I get that. And like, I would see some of the books that he would read and stuff like that. So I wasn't adverse to the idea. In fact, I was very welcoming of it. I haven't gone for therapy yet. I definitely want to go for therapy very soon. But in your case, what was the influence of the ideals that you had around therapy? Was it like pop culture? Was it the stuff you saw on TV? Was it stuff that your parents said or your family or your friends? So I was more open to the idea, I think, for one, one main reason, you know, and this had nothing to do with my friends, nothing mm-hmm. to do with my family, but rather to do with YouTube. So there's this channel that I watch, The Breakfast Club, yep. you know, with Charlemagne <laughs> and DJ Envy and Angela Yee. You mm-hmm. know, and Charlemagne makes an effort in every interview to mention mental health Mm -hmm. and therapy and him going to therapy and what it did for him, you know, and how it changed his life, you know? So it was because I subscribed to that and I subscribed to him, you know, it was easier for me to take on these ideas. It was easier for me to, to succumb to the idea of therapy and say, you know what, maybe this is something that I can do. Yeah. I may not fully, I may not be ready to dive in, you know, head first, but you know what, let me get in the shallow end and see, because the person that I subscribe to, he backs this, you know, mm-hmm. he swears on this. So that was the one interesting thing as well, you know, which is why I think it's important to have these conversations. Sometimes the people who think that they're helping you might not necessarily be helping you. So your outlets are going to be different. Mm-hmm. For me, it wasn't necessarily my friend who told me go to therapy. It wasn't my ex who told me go to therapy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't my lecturers who told me to go to therapy, but it was it was someone who told me indirectly to go to therapy. And that was on YouTube. Yeah. You know, so I think the, the more we have these conversations, the more they, they get spread out and the more they're out there. And people may come across this conversation and say, man, I don't maybe. know this guy and I don't know who, who she is, but mm, maybe I should give this thing a try. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the one misconception with therapy, you know, and this is something that dwindled for me the more I went, is that mm-hmm. therapy isn't only for negative things. It isn't only for when you're feeling down or depressed or upset yes. or there. there's so much great that comes with therapy just in terms of having someone to talk to who's offering you a brand new perspective outside mm-hmm. of your friends, yeah, outside of your family. No, I definitely should go. <laughs> 
because <laughs> oh, there's just always like always something on my mind always something that's not necessarily bothering me but something that's occupying that so I just have so many questions I feel like my therapist will have to tell me to go home because I just have so many things that I <laughs> that I need to like or maybe the the the, the fees will tell me to go home as well because hey the yeah, better listen, they are fees, right <laughs> yeah they, they they're not a joke listen I think <laughs> For anyone who can't afford it, right? Mm-hmm. I do know that that there are um, therapists that you can meet with online. Their rates are extremely reasonable and some that don't charge. And for those who go to university, I think it's very, very important to make use of the university's um, facilities when it comes yeah. to yes. It's very, very important. You know, don't look at it as a, oh yeah, whatever. Guys, those are qualified people. They know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very, very important to take full advantage of those facilities if you have access to them. Man, thank you for that. Now you've been going to therapy for obviously more than six months. At this particular point, how do you feel? Who I am today, as I mentioned in the beginning, is not who I was just a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, therapy for me at least, I, I can't speak for anyone, you know, for me it gave me more questions than answers, you know, but those questions end up being answers for other questions. It's a constant digging exercise. You're constantly digging, you're constantly digging, you know, because you may find you, if you're like me, you're harboring things from when I was still seven, eight mm-hmm. years old, you know, mm-hmm. so there's constant digging, but through this digging, I'm busy figuring out, okay, this, what I just found out now through this exercise of self-perception, I'm able to to deal with this. Okay, so let me deal with that. Boom, that's yeah. one thing I can I can check off the list, you know. And so it, it's 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 this constant cycle. It's a constant cycle, but there's no negativity that comes with this because you're just working on yourself. You're developing yourself, and when you become the best version of yourself, it's your family that benefits. It's your friends that benefits. It's your mm-hmm. relationships that benefits. It's your your studies and your employment. E- everyone benefits. Everything around you benefits, and then you start to ooze positive energy. What are some of the practical tools that, I mean, we are hearing of all the fruits and how this has positively helped you, but for somebody that wants to hear, okay, he did ABC, he did one, two, three, of course you have to pay for Siabonga's fees, you know what I'm saying? But some of the mm-hmm. practical tools that you have gained from this process that you now use within your life and that have helped you to tackle future things that could come at you. So one of the most important ones, and, and you know, some of these practical tools, they seem so simple that you think, really? Mm-hmm. But one of the most important ones is just taking a second just taking a second as someone who anger used to be my go-to for everything i would respond almost immediately Mm -hmm. you know without necessarily thinking you know so i wouldn't be listening to listen i'd be listening just to hear and And then respond respond. Mm. and that got me in a lot of situations i would have rather not have been it whereas today the version of me that i am it's about taking a second taking it all in let it digest And and then when i'm ready exactly when i'm ready with a reasonable enough response one that won't get us to fight but one that will get us to discuss okay maybe there's a misunderstanding Mm -hmm. you know or maybe just really have two different perspectives and we need to agree to disagree but you will never get to the point of coming to a great conclusion if your immediate response is to respond you know so sometimes take a second you know and that's i think one of the most valuable tools that i was given like i said it seems so simple but too many people don't think about this about taking a second even recently mm-hmm. i find myself in a situation where i so badly wanted to say anything and everything on my mind mm-hmm. but then I, in that moment i realized if i don't take a step back i'm gonna burn a bridge 
that would it have been worth it for this two seconds of anger that I felt in that moment? Mm -hmm. Would it have been worth destroying the entire relationship? You know, so let me take a step back. Exactly. Let me calm down. You know, maybe right now I'm in a position to just calm down, let the person say what they say. And then when I'm ready to respond, I'll respond in a way that allows us to have a constructive conversation about the situation. And it helps. It's been helping me now since 2017. So five years now. Mm. And do you You plan on doing this forever? The more you do it, you know, because as much as situations are unique, sometimes you'll find yourself or your friends in situations that repeat themselves. Oh, I went through this already. Oh, that, I can help you with that. I went through that. This mm-hmm. is how you respond. Or So the more it happens, I think the better you get at it. It's almost one of those practice makes perfect things, as much mm-hmm. as you can't necessarily practice because some situations are very unique. Mm-hmm. But you start to understand one yourself, you know, oneself, the understanding of self becomes you know, more substantial to a point where you don't have to do it to the same level that you were doing it when you first started. You know, you, un- you. Just, you understand your, yeah, you understand yourself and most likely the situation enough to be able to not have to go back to step one, but you can start at step five. Mm-hmm. Now, this is really valuable stuff. And it now brings me to the question of, I mean, we're Congolese people, we're African people living in South Africa, you know, still very much Mm. within the African context. And even though South Africans are very progressive people, we still have the Congolese community within South Africa. So speaking of like the older generation and the younger generation, because we still have many of us that, no offense, still have very, not primitive, but conservative ideals and approaches towards a lot of things including this so some people will say no man but it's just the just go get prayed for you know and i'm not saying anything against that because i also believe that you know prayer is an important tool deliverance etc others will say no man go get prayed for because it's a spiritual thing or people think nah man this is (laughs) you're wasting your money or whatever so what is sort of like your parents's opinion did they have an opinion what were the opinions of like aunts and uncles were they aware of it even some friends and family like of course Many of your friends were like, dude, go get therapy, go get help. Some of them maybe even as an angry retort. But what was their initial response to you taking that decision? So the environment that people grow up in can really shape their perspective on things. Mm-hmm. You know, So when this information came out to my friend, like I listen therapy, it was something that was welcomed. Oh, no, that's great news. That's great news. Like, I'm great that you're doing this. I'm great that you're putting your, well, I'm happy that you're putting yourself first. Yeah. You know, so the reception was amazing when it came to my friends. Now, my family, it's a completely different perspective, right? We understand that, you know, my parents are the first to come to South Africa out of their mm-hmm. family. You know, they had to lay down the groundwork and build the foundation, you know, for us to be able to, you know, succeed in our lives. You know, so their perspective is completely different. They're not from a time where these were the things that were considered, you know, mm-hmm. oh, feeling, emotions and oh, therapy, you know, especially being so grounded in Christianity, you know, oh no, you must pray. Yeah. Go to church and pray, you know, and as you said, you can't take away from that. Having a spiritual connection, you know, and a belief, you know, and your faith can really take you places. It can really exactly. get you out of dark spaces, but we can't neglect the very real work that needs to be done for ourselves outside of that, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think, it's important to look at the signs or to recognize to recognize the signs that men should seek therapy. It's very important to recognize those signs. And I think the main two that you could look at is depression and anxiety. You know, mm-hmm. they can have a massive impact on 
your health and well-being and, and, and understanding those signs and seeking help could go a long way you know so for me those signs weren't recognized by my folks not because they didn't care they're not because they don't love me you know, but because understand. their perspective doesn't exactly their perspective doesn't allow them to understand that what staying up late and studying it affects you when <laughs> i was your age yep <laughs> when i was whereas my peers understand because they're going through the same things you know so you know we're going to get depression you know and then that varies from person to person and then anxiety and then on top of that there's economic factors that I think so many people don't understand how much that really can affect someone's mental health, Mm -hmm. you know, relationship issues. And, you know, us being Congolese, I'm not too sure how many of us had an open and honest conversation with our parents about the people that we were dating in our teens and our twenties, you know, before we graduated and some even after we graduated, you know, so that also not having that, uh, that connection with our parents to be able to say, mom and dad, listen, this is, who I'm seeing, this is what we're doing, this is our plan, Mm -hmm. you know? It affects you because sometimes you're then left to converse with your peers and your peers don't have the perspective of your parents who have been married for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, They've got gems that they can give you, but because of the way that they understand things, unfortunately, us are unable, we're unable to have that conversation, which can really lead to a downward spiral, you know? And I think maybe even just lastly, this idea that there is a lack of mental health treatment for men, you know, or, 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 or the way that's the way it's perceived, you know, because we understand that it's women and children, yep. you know, everywhere you go with every situation, women and children, women and children. And I think there are so many of us who believe that they're the only people that can get help. Yeah. You know, if you're a woman, you can get help. It's there for you. If you're a child, it's definitely there for you. But as a man, you are left to fend for yourself, you know? And I think this idea, because it's so widely advertised, is one of the reasons that we don't or feel as though we can't seek help. I completely agree. It's just this constant survival of the fittest thing, man. It's crazy because you're a human being. And that's even something that I was thinking about when just reflecting on this topic is that I think we have gotten to a point where it's just, we just think men, you're this grouped being, you're not even like an individual anymore. It's not even Jadeli or Daniel or so it's like your individuality, even like you're, I don't know if I'm making sense, but (laughs) it's sort of just taken away from you and you're a man, like you're not a human, you're a man. So there's certain expectations. There's certain things that you must do, ways that you must behave, how you must react and stuff like that. So I think it's a really, really painful thought and an experience more importantly, because you guys are living this every day. No, we are. And, and, and I think what's, what's interesting is that in that we create our own ecosystems and micro ecosystems where we take these beliefs of what it is to be a man, right? And then we build off another set of beliefs on that negative belief, mm-hmm. you know, which then mm-hmm. brings us down the road of toxic masculinity, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm not too sure who doesn't know what toxic masculinity is, but for instance, if someone doesn't know, I guess I can toxic masculinity, uh, the harmful beliefs about the nature of masculinity, mm-hmm. you know, and the characteristics of masculinity. Now, these beliefs in these micro ecosystems of what it is to be a man that lead to so many men subscribe to, you know, things like having sex with multiple women mm-hmm. or having it many times makes you more of a man. And you'd be surprised how many men subscribe to that. You know, that being more aggressive or being physically forceful Mm -hmm. makes you 
manly and there are too many men that subscribe to this you know that that being emotionally vulnerable is a sign of weakness or femininity mm-hmm. you know or, or a person isn't a real man unless they can display a certain level of mental toughness and these are the things that we're battling against on a daily basis mm-hmm. you know because the unlearning has to happen so that the relearning can happen Jadili, thank you so very much for joining me on this episode. It's extremely insightful and I just have a lot that I need to digest from this as well and work through and just, you know, just reevaluating even the very subtle and subconscious things that I as a woman do to enable this kind of toxic masculinity within my own environment. It's not even about, oh no, but women are, no, it's not that this is not the conversation. What we're trying to say here is that everybody just needs to go and seek help and unlearn all of the negative toxic ideals that they have and relearn and just grasp all the good tools that they need in order to be positive and beneficial to the people around them and to themselves. You know, I love what you said there um, when you said that when you're going to therapy, you were trying to figure out like, why am I the problem? Aren't you the problem? Whereas you just basically had to help yourself to meet yourself. I'm paraphrasing this so badly, but yeah. <laughs> yeah no, but, but you're spot on, you know I mean? I think the last thing I can say is uh, therapy can help you open up and recalibrate your life. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many options available. So it's possible for you to find out what works for you. There is always someone that can help. Mm-hmm. You don't have to suffer alone. Absolutely. In different ways, just like you said, you can go onto YouTube and you can watch people that speak about this. There are therapists that take out videos just to help you recalibrate your life, just like Jadeli said. Or they're the online specialists, the ones where you can have sessions with them anonymously even. There's actually this app that I discovered on Instagram, which is called the Panda app, and you can actually join in there. They have sort of like focus groups in a sense but go onto instagram and search panda app and you'll be able to tap into that and be able to to leverage that to be a better person we have come to the end of this episode and it's been such a thrill i'm just always always fueled by having these amazing conversations with young africans that are proving to be beneficial to the societies to themselves and to this world because they live not just progressively but positively and advance you know ideals that will make africa great again which is what we all want so without further ado please go and follow us on instagram that is sakina speaks underscore on twitter as well sakina speaks underscore go and follow jadeli on instagram as well and interact with hi it's the jellyman h-i underscore i-t-s underscore j-e-double-l-y-m-a-n it's been a lovely one listen up for the next episode continue to keep the conversation going tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a family member let's make sakina speaks a household name and go to therapy it's good for you and it's good for all of those around you sakina has spoken Mm -hmm.